Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining the Believe Network podcast, The Inferno. And we're joined today by our guest, Mark McLoon of AZ Family Channel. He's one of their trusty, lovable uh, sportscasters. <laughs> <laughs> and also my regular co-host, Patrick Matilla, a.k.a. Mr. Orange of the Suns fan base. He's always at the games, usually draped in orange, but uh, he is unrecognizable, according to Mark, <laughs> without all his garb on. How y'all doing? Doing well. How are you? Awesome. Yeah, it's a, basically the pickup from a month off uh, after my paternity leave. I had about five weeks in the East Coast and finally back. It's been a whirlwind since I got back, actually, uh, to AZ Central just under two weeks ago. And it uh, feels great to be back. We're going to talk about Kevin Durant uh, being a win, even though he didn't come here. still a win for the Suns that he actually wanted to come here. We'll discuss the 30th anniversary of the Suns jerseys from the 92-93 season that they're bringing back for this upcoming season. And we'll discuss what we expect from training camp that starts less than a month from now. So what do you guys think about Kevin Durant not coming here and everything that fell through, uh, but what the Suns have to do moving forward from all this? Well, Dana, we kind of could have done the exact same podcast uh, before you went on vacation where we were like, is he going to come here? Um, I'm, I'm a little worried about the fallout here, especially uh, Mr. Orange there about your report uh, in game seven about the dust up between uh, Monty Williams and DeAndre Aiden. I didn't actually see that. So I think that's kind of like the number one question for me right now. How are the Suns going to move on from that? Is DeAndre Aiden, are we going to see a happy DeAndre Aiden? Um, and, and how's everybody going to kind of reintegrate into this thing, knowing that, um, probably everybody's name was dangled there for the trade. Yeah. You know, I, I feel the same when we look at just the way the season ended all around, but specifically with DeAndre Ayton. And I know we've talked at length, Dana, about the contract and would he be a son? And, and we, we've gone over that, but the fact that he's here now, uh, you know, he has to, coexist with Monty Williams and Monty Williams is a head coach right and so uh he's been paid and he needs to now show up and perform but culture's number one and so how is he to Mark's point going to come back obviously all the marketing that we just saw over the past two weeks with uh, the 30th anniversary of of the jerseys that we'll talk about later you know he was the prime focus of that so I think smart move from a PR perspective he eats all that up he loves that type of, of stuff but what is a maturity going to be like is he going to come in and and perform like he did last year right he wanted a contract in the offseason didn't get it came in business as usual up until what we saw you know in that final game so I think the question is what DeAndre Ayton are we going to get and that will say a lot for you know how far the Suns go this year. You know, this reminded me of that Nirvana song off the Incesticide album. You, know, you should have been a son. You should have been a son. If you know what I'm talking about, you feel me, right? <laughs> I oh, love yeah. your music references. Can you make one after every point? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll try. But with Durant 
it's a win because of the fact that five years ago we heard or saw that tweet around that went around the NBA quick from Eric Bledsoe that said, I don't want to be here. <laughs> Remember that? Oh my God. Yeah. I, how can I forget that? that I, I can't get those years back, Dana. Yeah. Now those are the Suns years that were basically the worst in a decade and you were there for them, Patrick, you were there for them, Mark. I was not here in Phoenix. I was just about to arrive here, but I said to my wife, when she got a job with the Suns, don't go there because if Eric Bledsoe doesn't want to be there. We shouldn't be there. Then she got a job with the Suns and I dragged myself out here. And then here we are five years later, one of the greatest players in the history of basketball wants to be in Phoenix or he, posted that he basically wanted to be there in Phoenix or Miami. That's actually a win for the Suns for the fact that Monty said it last week in another uh, interview on NBA uh, Sirius XM that, you know, it's a blessing that guys actually want to come here and that what he's built and what uh, attraction that it is for free agents and uh, destination trade destination for all-stars. You know, it wasn't always like that. So for what he's done, it just shows that this is actually something in the coming years or the coming months that play when it comes around a trade deadline, more players are going to say, you know what? I actually might like Phoenix depending on how well they do. And I don't uh, see them going uh, to be a bottom dweller or, you know, being a middling team. They are projected to be one of the top three teams in the NBA and win. So it's only going to help build the character of the players uh, in terms of bringing them together. Obviously families fight. And families say, I'm not going to talk to you anymore. Then they come back and make up and uh, and 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 they, they kiss up and move forward. And I think that's what's going to happen in training camp. And you see McCall Bridges, he's had that tweet a couple uh, weeks ago and or last week on August 22nd. He said, I'm just sitting here watching like y'all, you know, when it comes to all this trade chatter. And so, you know, there's Jay Crowder who said that, you know, uh, it's time for a change. You don't know what that meant, but it, it was somewhat ominous. But it means that that there's going to be positive changes moving forward, in my opinion, when it comes to the Suns and the Durant thing uh, for this summer that dominated all the NBA news. It, 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 it stopped the trade market and stopped in the free agents market. It came to a halt, you know, mainly because of him uh, in many ways. But I feel that Durant is only going to help the sun shine even brighter come this season because that's what teams need. They need a kick in the butt and they need some guy like him to basically cause a paradigm shift for a team to turn the corner and move forward after yeah, that and, game seven loss. And they definitely need something after that game seven loss. That was one of those where you're like, man, how do you, how do you, how do you run it back from this? So yeah, I, I kind of agree there that, you know they needed that something needed to get shaken up, and 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 the Durant thing definitely did that. Um, Patrick, question for you though: you you kind of saw that dust up, or you saw that argument there um, from your vantage point, I believe. And you're a coach, so from the coach's perspective, from your perspective there uh, in, in the stands in Game Seven, how how ugly did it get there between Monty and DeAndre, in your opinion? You know, it didn't get too ugly because of Monty's approach, right? So he was addressing it. Uh, DeAndre is a much uh, more passionate individual, and, and as a player, he's more animated. So his reaction, you could tell he was frustrated, and he made that clear to Monty. And Monty 
for Monty's sake, uh, was was as direct as I've seen him, where he actually turned around and started to walk toward him. Uh, but even both assistant coaches stood and just spoke because someone was shooting a free throw. So they just like didn't direct their energy either way. They just kind of stepped in between to allow Monty to go back, you know, uh, you know, to his coaching box toward the press box as opposed to approach um, DeAndre Ayan. But right then, and with that exchange, that was the end of what we saw out of DeAndre. So as a coach you're going to have your star players that are going to be passionate. They're going to react in ways that aren't always favorable. And I'm sure the relationship that Monty has with DeAndre, that this is part of that and it doesn't make it right by DeAndre. And I'm sure they've had those conversations behind closed doors. But when you have a passionate player like that, um, and obviously a very good coach, you're going to have situations where, you know, tempers get the best of individuals. And in this case, Monty is much more even keeled and well put together in terms of his maturity than DeAndre. Uh, I think anybody can agree to that. And so you just saw, in my opinion, DeAndre's immaturity, which shouldn't go unaddressed, doesn't make it right, but not something that's uncommon, especially when your team's getting blown out and about to be eliminated from the playoffs. All right. Let me add something to that real quick. Can I add Absolutely. something? Okay, yeah. so... There's two things. DeAndre Ayton's motor is always questioned. His motivation and his aggression is always questioned. That was basically debunked by his reaction coming to the bench at the 824 mark in the uh, third quarter of game seven, right? Because if he didn't care, he wouldn't have said anything at all. He would have just been like, whatever, right? And then it just went out and signed somewhere else and never wanted to, you know, you know, basically uh, come back and accept that uh, offer to remain in Phoenix when he – he got that offer sheet from Indiana, correct or dis or incorrect? Yeah, I mean, no. go ahead, Mark. Oh, sorry about that, guys. I'm used to hosting this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't turn it off. No, no. I, uh, I, I, I think. Well, uh, to answer your question, let's let Patrick answer your question. But my my whole point there is, I like when people scream at each other because it just gets it over with. Right. Like, let people scream. You, you, you deal with it and you move on so it doesn't simmer. So now I'm going to shut up and let Patrick answer the question. <laughs> no, all good. I think yes and no. So my issue, and I've said this many times, I love DeAndre Aiden as a person, but why did it take you the 23rd and a half hour to then show me your passion when the game is in a very poor situation in the series and our season? Where was that this whole series when you should have dominated on your own, regardless of someone getting you the ball or feeding you the ball? Like, that's my continued beef, again, with DeAndre Ayton is, great, I'm glad you showed the passion. I know he cares, but why are you not out there showing me you care on the floor, not as you come to the bench because you're frustrated? Like, that's – I want to see your action on the floor. I don't want to hear about it. That's where I'm at with DeAndre. Yeah, but they only gave him the ball late in the first quarter. Let's be real about it. They didn't look for him early on. Of course, Luca was dominating everybody on the Suns, but they didn't really give DeAndre the ball like they normally did earlier in the games before then in, in, or even the New Orleans series, really. They weren't, right. they weren't looking for him. And so when he got pulled first out of that starting five coming early into the third quarter – it's he had only had five points and like four boards and the rest of the guys didn't play well. So it's like, you know, if I was DeAndre, I'd feel like, why are you blaming me? Why are you taking me out first? You know? well, well, two reasons. One, it was how he reacted to his coaching. You, you don't get a pass at that. You, you're held accountable. Two, True. you hit on okay. the head. He had four rebounds. Go get more rebounds and create your own opportunities. And right. you, three, also said it. He was being fed in earlier games and wasn't dominating the way he should have. So why are we going to continue to do the same thing and expect a different result? So yeah. he has to take ownership of that aspect. And if you're a coach, 
you have to make adjustments too. If it's not working and we're feeding you and we're not winning and you're not dominating, we're going to have to go somewhere else with it. And then you can't get frustrated when you didn't capitalize on the opportunities you were given earlier in the series. Right. And they were all playing bad, but I understand what you're saying. Mark, go ahead, man. And I'm sorry to cut you off again. No, no, this is great. I think you guys, you're like uh, 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 Skip Bayless here and Stephen A. Um, but what I also noticed about that game was that DeAndre kept getting pulled out on defense and guarding Luka and almost put on skates. And you could yeah. see his frustration build. And I don't know. If, I mean, Dana, you had the question after the game that kind of set the whole thing off there with Monty about, you know, why he only played so many minutes. And 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 I I I think I think this is a great discussion because this this is this is where it starts for us. If the Suns can show they've gotten past all of this, if DeAndre and Monty Williams can somehow uh, sing kumbaya uh, figuratively to the media and move on, then I think we've got uh, a lot more fun in store. But these kind of losses, this is this is usually something that that sticks with the team, and it's really, really hard to shake, in my opinion. Yeah, it could be. Oh, that'll be uh, interesting to see when they have their new jerseys. Which segues into our next topic, the 30th anniversary of the Barkley-era jerseys when he first came to Phoenix. Now, the great thing about these jerseys uh, and these uniforms is that uh, the Suns marketing uh, executive, uh, he, when he was uh, – when Barkley first came to Phoenix, I can't remember the executive's name, but he said that this old logo of the Suns was stationary and he wanted to put it in motion. And so that's what created the sunburst, as they call the logo, the burst, right? The Suns have three different logos. They had, you know, the they, they have the Sun, the regular Suns uh, old school one, which has the Western lettering, the Western font. Then they have the burst um, and then they have the uh, bird. Okay, which is basically like the phoenix uh, bird, if you will, like the you know the actual phoenix bird in you know Greek mythology, um, and with the flames around the ball and PHX in the middle. So the burst is coming back with the original uh, with uh, the thirtieth uh, anniversary of those Barkley jerseys that when they went to the final with Dan Marley, Kevin Johnson, Richard Dumas, um, and also. Uh, Tom Chambers, of course. And so those bring a lot of nostalgia to the folks of the uh, root for the Suns. So what does it mean to you when you see those jerseys on somebody? Well, I'll, I'll start here because, well, first of all, I'd like to have a moment of silence for the Valley jerseys. Uh, we're going to miss those. Hopefully we have like a, a rollout of that. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, they look better when they play black. Uh, when they play in black, they look better. And it's just like Raiders you know, always feel like they are meaner or better players when they wear black, right? I, I totally agree. I feel like those Valley jerseys, I mean, I, I'm going to, that, that makes me sad. That's like, is the era over? I'm totally down with the purple. But what, yeah. what Great do, question. We, do we have to get rid of the Valley jerseys? No. I don't think so. No. Not at all. No, I, I want to keep the Valley jerseys. Those they got to the finals in those things, man. I mean, it took them 28 years to get back to the finals, and they took a new look, just like the finals of 1993. It was 20. There were 27. Uh, what's it? 17 years removed from the last time they went to the finals in '76, right? With those old Western jerseys with uh, Paul Westfall and you know Garner scoring 30 against the Celtics. Yeah, man, Alvin Adams, you know, and, and so, you know, Pat Riley was on that squad. With his mustache? With his mustache, mustache. yeah, man. 
And, and I, I love how the NBA is bringing back those great uh, old school jerseys. Just like I saw today, the Rockets are bringing back the San Diego Rockets jerseys. When they were originally the San Diego Rockets before they got to Houston, those look really cool. And those green and white and yellow, you know, designs. I as mean, lo- as long as they don't do the blue ones, man. I, I grew up in Houston. Oh, yeah. They went to the blue ones. I just that made me so mad. Oh, those weird ones that Elijah yeah. won in his like back nine uh, years of his career. Yeah, yeah, oh, those were the ugly ones. Yeah, the, the Steve Francis era ones. Yes, yes. Speaking <laughs> of the 30th anniversary, do you know uh, if the Suns? Because obviously the court changed when we were wearing Valley jerseys, right, to the Valley court. Do we know have the Suns announced? Are they going to have a different court every game? that we're wearing these throwback jerseys that would be my question because they were very strategic with that every every home game that was valley jerseys it was valley court um instead of the the traditional ones so i'm curious to see how uh they approach that i mean i think they should go they should go with the 93 court right the yeah sun that's, the that's my guess and look that, like that the finals no i mean it's it's a beautiful look, and and I'll do respect to the orange, and I know that that means a lot to you, and and I, I've I've liked. I mean, they they wore the orange jerseys in the finals, but there's something. It, it's almost like the Kings colors, you know, the yeah. big the purple. It just it just makes you look shiny. I mean, I, I think a lot of people uh, first kind of fell in love with the Phoenix Suns and the Charles Barkley Suns because they were wearing purple against Michael Jordan on national television in the NBA finals. It's, it's a great color scheme. And I'm, you look at, you, you go to the Eric Bledsoe era there, Dana, and you look at just some of the different uniforms that have been busted out here over the years. I mean, there was like a sand one. There was like a gray one. Yeah. Gray one's whack, man. The gray one's horrible. Who thought of that idea? I just like that's it. That's I have one. Like uh, losing (laughs) your way. That's the epitome of losing your way. Right. Is is that the Grand Hill era? That's the Grand Hill era. I think know. I think it was I think it was like the John Luer era. Uh Mirza Toledovich. Who else we got there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Leandro and, and Barboza. They the, yeah, they have the sleeves too. Oh wow, the sleeves. Oh, yeah. yeah, that, that was oh, when yeah. Is that when Dragic was there? Dragic was there, yep. Oh, Dra- yeah. yeah, Dragic was there. Yeah, and, and also the Morris twins were here. <laughs> yeah. oh, I think they were I think you had long sleeve orange ones too, didn't you? Did it? If, if memory, we had we had the we had the sleeves with the orange. Yeah. Oh God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know I, have, I remind, have each of those right now. You know what those remind me of? Those remind me those, those, those when NBA tried to introduce those in like the 16, 17 year or 15, 16 year. This reminds me of the Evansville jerseys, man. The, remember Evansville back in the nineties? They were the only college basketball team to have like you know short sleeves. They look like or like Louisiana Tech women's basketball team. <laughs> You know, back in the eighties and nineties, that's what they, I was like. What are we doing here? Yeah, like, really? I, I would I would imagine shooters didn't really appreciate the sleeves. It just yeah, seemed like that would right, get in the way. Right. You know, LeBron yeah. actually ripped it. Uh, he ripped off his sleeves yes. one game. Yeah. But it, what was weird is that in Game Seven of the twenty sixteen Finals, he actually had those long sleeves or short sleeves on uh, to win it. And I want, and of course, he made that iconic chase down block and i wonder was it some sort of mind over matter thing for him as to why he wanted it it's like you know it's not it's almost like saying it's not the ball it's you you know like the ball don't lie kind of thing i'm wondering why he brought those back but anyway those the the, the best sons jerseys if you're going to go back to black uh for that throwback of the 20 uh 1992 93 
era jerseys. You got to go with the Barkley uh, era jerseys that had those sunburst yeah. black. Yeah. And you see and some I, of the Nash jerseys like that. Yeah. And I think uh, we know they couldn't keep the Valley jerseys in stock as as Mark was talking about. So I, I would be floored if they take those out uh, for good. But I'm curious to see how the Suns are able to keep in stock, uh, you know, these jerseys this season, because, uh, as you said, I think between the Valley jerseys and these, they're they're two of the hottest items and, and look the best. So definitely another piece to be excited about, you know, heading into this season for sure. Yeah, man, I just saw a picture of Tupac wearing a Barkley jersey from that sunburst uh, uniform era. Really cool. What were you nice. saying, Mark? So, sorry about that, Mark. No, no, no. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look that up. That might have to make the extra point tonight. The uh, the picture of uh, of him wearing the Barkley jersey. No, I got it for you, man. I got Are it. You? All right. I, you know what? It. Hey, real quick, my um my picture. I can't pull up my phone right now, but one time uh, Patrick showed up uh, as Mr. Orange at the game, uh, and he he made a full size cutout of my head. So oh, yeah. <laughs> when when I call somebody, that that shows up of him holding my head. <laughs> oh, that's that's I love yeah. It. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. that's one of my favorite pictures. Yeah, and um, as far as as far as the uh, the the jersey conversation goes, um, you know, I I think that these purple ones are going to be one of the hottest sellers in the NBA. I, am am, I, am yeah. I wrong there? Like, I think it they're just beautiful. They still are, man. Especially for you know Booker, you know that one. I mean, I think the last person to wear number one of the Suns in that burst uh, look was Wesley Person. Am I mistaken? I'm trying to think of who else was number one on the yeah. Suns. Was was it Wesley Person, Patrick? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Or was it Wesley Person number eleven? Yeah, I, I don't even I don't even recall. So that's yeah. a great question. But yeah. yeah, I think I think as you said, Mark, it's also style, right? So you, you people aren't even going to be Suns fans that are going to be purchasing these. It's just they look that clean that people are going to just want to purchase them. So uh, I, I think it's again super exciting, especially for the whole season, and then uh, come playoff time, how many of those uh, jerseys are going to be out and about across the nation? Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, our last topic we're going to discuss is. Training camp comes up in less than a month. September 27th, I believe, is the first day. Uh, and so what do you anticipate coming back to training camp and covering it? And who do you see could be the breakout players as well as the new additions like Damian Lee, Jock Landale, um, and who could, else could be on the come up for the Suns this season through training camp? Um, you know, I, I don't know enough about the guys that they have brought in yet just to kind of, you read about them, but they, they haven't, they, they seem kind of the supporting, supporting role type guys. Mm -hmm. Um, for, for me, I mean, it's, it's, it's Cam Johnson. Like, right. and I know that's, that might be captain obvious here, but the way he was playing before he got injured, the way, he, the way he played in that New York Knicks game, when he, when he hit the game winner, yeah. I, if, if, if the Suns can get Cam Johnson back to that point, and I, he'll never tell us, but I would, I would bet a, a mortgage payment that he was hurt in the playoffs. Oh yeah, Especially definitely that quad. Wasn't able to move on defense. And I yeah. mean, I, I, I think that if we can, if we can see a Cam Johnson, like we saw in the spring, that you could probably go ahead and uh, and pencil the Suns in for uh, for playing some June basketball. Yeah, I would agree. I think chemistry is going to be the biggest. Right, is coming back off of that loss. 
the way we did, we talked about obviously DeAndre and Monty. How, how is that dynamic going to look? Uh, what is attention like? And how do we integrate these new pieces from a chemistry perspective? That's what I'm going to be looking for in uh, obviously training camp. And then as we move into, um, you know, the preseason games uh, that lead us up to the season. So I think Cam Johnson, his health um, and just that continued the growth in chemistry is, is going to be crucial for how successful we are and how do we open the season specifically because adversity will hit. But when is it going to hit and where are we going to be as a unit when that adversity strikes? I think that's going to say everything for our season, especially ahead of the trade deadline. Right. And I think for the person that might not be a breakout star or breakout player, but who's to keep tabs on is campaign because he did not have a great playoff performance. Uh, He is the player that people are looking to now that he's in the second year of his three-year contract. Is he somebody that is going to step up in place of Chris Paul when he needs a breather? Or is he going to be somebody to get shipped off at the trade deadline? I know that last year, a lot of people were wondering what happened with campaign, just like the year before when he was in a contract year um, or just needed to prove himself that he's worthy of staying on the team. And then he got that three-year deal for $19 million. And so now it's that he's basically got a tradable contract. Is he going to step up in order to earn his spot back and keep his place on the team as a formidable backup at the point, which is where the Suns really, really need a lot of help because Chris Paul is not getting any younger at age 37 and going into his 18th year. And so they're going to need a young guy like him to step up. Otherwise, they're going to look for someone else. Also, Aaron Holiday, they let walk. He's now on the Hawks in Atlanta and on a one-year deal. So they're going to need somebody else uh, like Cameron Payne. And if it's not Cameron Payne, you know that James Jones is definitely probably going to pull the plug for somebody else uh, in his place. So that concludes our podcast. Mark McClune, we want to thank you for coming on. It's been amazing to talk to you. We got to do it again. Patrick always is the voice of reason on this podcast. I'm just a bottom feeder that gets information that just spews it out, you know, for everybody. <laughs> and so, uh, everybody, thank you for listening to episode 14. Check Mark on AZ Family Channel. It's always at uh, 10.30 p.m. at night and the extra point. Correct? Yes, sir. You can see some of this podcast tonight, guys. So, thanks for having me. And uh, let's do it again. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.